Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we make sure you know there's more going on than you can see or hear. If this podcast episode helps you, would you consider leaving us a review on the app or platform you're using to listen? We appreciate it. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. And now, your host, Larry Ragland. But the war has escalated. The war has escalated with the devil. The war has escalated with flesh. The war has escalated, can I be real this morning? With sexual perverted culture of our day, the war has escalated to where they might not get us, but they've come after our children. But can I tell you something? You better get your hands off my babies. You better get your hands off my grandbabies because when you touch my babies and when you come after my family, I believe there's been a generation of men and women and God, I'm not talking about the big names. I'm not talking about the ones you see that's got a million followers on Instagram. Ain't got no problem with them. But I'm talking about some preachers that's just been faithful. I'm talking about some teachers. I'm talking about some men and women of God that's just been serving God for 30 and 40 years, trying to break 100, trying to break 150, doing everything they can do for God, but preaching like a wild man, getting people saved, feeding the hungry in the streets. And God said, hold up. I know all about you. I got you. I got you. I got you. I'm about to pull you out and I'm about to present you. Oh, I'm about to take you before kings. I'm about to. Whoa. Somebody just tell me to preach. That's all I need. That's all I need. Just somebody shout, preach, preacher. Okay, since you told me, I will. Remain, get up on your feet one more time, please. I, uh, with respect, I got to honor the bishop and the pastor. Honor, put your hands together, open your mouth, and love your pastor, Bishop Clint Brown and Pastor Kendall Brown. That's my bishop. That's my pastor. I'm telling you, kids grow up. They they throw the ball, the baseball with their daddy. They throw the football and they dream of of one day playing in Giant Stadium or playing somewhere, some NFL stadium. I do for a preacher man. I am in the Super Bowl right now, baby, because in one section. I got Clint Brown on one side and Dr. Ron Cannoli on the other side. My God, have mercy. Jesus, you can go ahead and take me home right now. Everything we know about Holy Ghost worship, everything I know. My wife will tell you, I used to roll a TV card out when we first started our church. We didn't have a single musician. I'd play, I'd play your bishop, my bishop, singing worship music on a VHS tape. And then me and my wife would get up and sing along with Dr. Ron Cannoli on a cassette tape. And when the Holy Ghost got to moving, we couldn't repeat it. We had to stop it, rewind it, cause everybody to hold up, and then play it. Can I get a witness somebody? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I was like, y'all, keep the spirit, don't lose the spirit. Is it ready? Is it ready? Going up to the high places. Come on. I'm going up to the high places. I'm going up to the high places. So gonna tear the devil's kingdom down. Oh, here we go. Let's go up. Going up to the high places. 
tear the devil's kingdom down Let's go up, going up to the high place there Kingdom time. Thank you, Dr. Ron Cano. I gotta say one more thing before I let you sit down. I got one grandbaby. She's three years old. She goes all over my house going, going up to the high place. She walks around my house. Don't I tell the truth, Sandy? She goes around singing it because my, my wife's mom just passed away back in this, this, this previous December. My mom passed away in January, and at her funeral, at her memorial service, the last song we played and sang was going up to the high places. Praise God. Come on, give the Lord a praise. I honor you, Dr. Cannoli. I honor you, Bishop. I honor you, Pastor. But I'm on a mission. Slap your neighbor and tell him, get ready. Here we go. 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 I, I was told that if I get y'all out by 2 o'clock, I'm good. Right? Right? So I'm going to help you. By the time you get there, the church crowd's already be gone. You just go right in. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You can be seated. You can be seated. Father, bless the word today. I know, I know the word is blessed. Bless me, God. Anoint me, God, to preach the word of God that you would have me to accomplish everything that you set out to accomplish today. Somebody shout amen. amen. Thank God for Southbound. Woo, that song. Can somebody testify? Oh, I wish I had somebody in here that God had been good to. Oh, the old timer said, he been better than me than I've been to myself. I'm going to give him praise. Don't you let this skin fool you. I ain't what you think I am. I ain't no white boy up here. That's why I love your bishop. I am a black man trapped in a white man's body. If you ain't figured it out yet, <laughs> I'm a preacher. I ain't no teacher. I didn't come to play. I didn't come to tickle you. I didn't come to work you up. I didn't get come to make you go out and live your best life. I'm going to give you a word. And when you get out of here today, you're going to storm the gates of hell. I come to preach the word. Don't mess with me. Tell me you don't want to mess with this. Okay. How? How does anybody say anything with this behind them? Because that just makes me want to talk like this. Now look. Don't you, Justin, hold that. I'll be back to that. Let me tell you something, I got a word for you, but I got a charge for you. I'm on a mandate, Bishop. I'm on a mandate, not just in this house, I'm on a mandate in my life right now. One of the first words I ever heard Pastor Rod Parsley ever say in the great sermon, Repairs of the Breach, cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. I'm on a mission wherever I go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna warn people, I'm gonna challenge people. It's time for the remnant church. Those that are left, you're remnant. Somebody shout, I'm remnant. The remnant need to understand. As the old saying goes, we live in the best of times. We live in the worst of times. More tragedy, more horrible things are happening on an escalated number than we've ever known in our lives. Worldwide, global things are happening. Things are still coming. 
I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not really bad news. It's actually good news. It's going to sound like bad news, but the bad news is the world is not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. How can that be good news? Because the good news it means is the more that things begin to fulfill what the Word of God says, the closer we are to seeing our Lord and Savior, the closer we are, and the more we are a part of. In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. You're going to have to make a decision, church. You're going to have to decide which side you are on. Oh, I, I had a, oh, come on, y'all. I'm, I ain't playing, y'all. I'm, I, I know my bishop, he'll let me come back, but this is usually one of them you call a no comeback sermons because I'm gonna tell you something, I'm gonna step on some toes and I'm gonna do it in love with a smile on my face. Be warm and fuzzy. Your answer is not the government. Your answer is not a political party or a political aisle. Your answer is not in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh, I wish I had some help. Your answer is not with your doctor. Your answer is not with your lawyer. Oh, you can, you can do what you want to do. You can trust in chariots and you can trust in horses. But I know that my help is in the name of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Oh, I know who my God is. Now listen. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32 says this. And the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the times. They understood the times. They knew what Israel should do. Bishop, they knew the times and they knew what the church is supposed to do. Do you understand that when you read of Israel in the Old Testament, you can apply that even as in the church because we are grafted in to the, to the chosen people of God. So when you see God's will for Israel, it's God's will for the church. Can I get an amen? But where are the sons of Issachar? Where are the preachers that got their eyes, uh, that, that will get their eyes off of coffee and donuts? Ain't got no problem with coffee and donuts. Don't, don't throw anything at me. But, but, but take their eyes off of coffee and donuts and take their eyes off of fancy theatrics and get back to what is really only thing that really matters. And that is the power and the glory of God in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something. They might come because of those things, but in this day and time, they will not stay because of those things. They're going to have to get something when they come here. They're going to have to have an encounter with the creator of the universe. The one that stepped out on nothing and spoke to nothing and nothing became something. They understood that we can't play church anymore. If anything that happened during the pandemic, it was this. It revealed the remnant. Right? The, low, the, the lowest number that I found on statistics, Bishop, is 50% of the church walked away. 50% of the church walked away and vowed they would never come back. That's on the low end. Of the 50%, 35% of that 50% said they don't, even, they don't even watch online anymore. They've not just checked out and watched online. They've completely left God. Where are the preachers? Where are the preachers that can discern the times? Silence about issues and silence about the war that we're fighting is the sound of defeat. I'm not going to be silent. I didn't come here to give you a butterfly in your belly. Oh, I've got the John the Baptist anointing on me. I'm crying a lot. I'm crying in the wilderness. Repent. Oh, that's a cuss word in most churches. Repent. Are y'all having fun yet? I'm almost to point one of my introduction. Some of y'all scared to death. If you haven't noticed it, we're in a war. 
Look at your neighbor and tell them we're in a war. We got wars. Jesus said there'd be wars and rumors of wars in the last time. When we see that, obviously, in the natural. But I'm not talking about that war. I'm talking about we're at a war. We always have been. But the war has escalated. The war has escalated with the devil. The war has escalated with flesh. The war has escalated, can I be real this morning? With sexual perverted culture of our day, the war has escalated to where they might not get us, but they've come after our children. But can I tell you something? You better get your hands off my babies. You better get your hands off my grandbabies because when you touch my babies and when you come after my family, somebody shall preach on. See, you, when you're in a war, that means you're fighting something or someone. The problem with the modern church is we will shout the preacher down when he says we're in a war, but we don't understand who the enemy is. The enemy is not Donald Trump. The enemy, oh, why'd you get so quiet? Is not Joe Biden. I'm an equal offender, okay? I'm an equal opportunity offender, whatever side of the aisle you're on. If, if your answer is not Joe Biden or Donald Trump, then your enemy is not Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Because if either one of them was your answer, all you need to do is take them out and your situation's fixed. But how many knows it don't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat in the White House, this world is going to hell on a bobsled, not a handbasket. Some of y'all got that and some of you didn't. Boy, y'all getting quiet on me now because y'all really going to get quiet on me now. Our enemy is not the White House. Our enemy is not a man. Our enemy is not Hollywood. And this is going to really work here. Our enemy is not Disney or any other man-made structure. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong. Somebody shout, I'm strong. Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tactics of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh. Oh, I feel God. I'm about to start preaching. Against and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand. When you've done everything you know to do to stand, instead of giving up, just stand. Because I'm telling you, when the remnant stands, God, oh, I feel God, I feel God. I'm just thinking about, I'm thinking about old Shama in the Old Testament. Shama had a pea patch. And they come, they're going to try to steal his pea patch. He didn't have weapons. He didn't have an army. He didn't know how in the world he was going to defeat and win. But when they showed up and he was outnumbered and it looked like, how in the world am I going to do anything? God just said, go on out there and just stand out there in front of your pea patch. Protect them peas like you would your children. Stand in front of them pea, that pea patch. And that leader of that army said, man, do you not even see what's behind me? Who do you think you are? Sometimes all you need to know to win the battle is just know who you are. Oh my God, there ain't much of a stronger man a woman in this world than somebody that finally knows who they are in God because when you know who you are in God it don't matter what looks like in front of you it don't matter what's going on around you he said who do you think you are he said I am Shama and he thought that the, when he put it down all of a sudden the earth began to shake horses started running away people's like what just happened well they didn't realize that when he said that he released something he released the answer because Shama is one of the compound names of 
Jehovah God. It means Jehovah is present. My God, are you hearing me? He said, I am Shama. And when he did, God just stepped in front of him. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout, I am Shama. The remnant knows who the enemy is. The remnant knows how to fight. That's why it had to be whittled down. I hope they all come back. But I'll be honest with you, I'm on a mandate to the preach to the ones that are here. I'm not going to spend the next 30 minutes talking about the ones that left. They want to come back, they know where to find us. See, when you begin to understand you're in a war and you begin to understand who you're fighting, you begin to understand the tactics of the enemy. What good is it for you to know who your enemy is if you don't know their tactics? The enemy operates and likes to launch his attacks in the darkness. He loves to strike when we are all asleep, when we let our guard down. This nation fell asleep, and my God, the church fell asleep. But I'm on a mandate to wake up the church. There's a remnant rising. The, wake up the mighty men of God. So many have walked away. Churches are closing down at an alarming rate. But can I say something to the devil? Not Judah Church. Oh, come on, somebody. Not Judah Church. While other churches are just praying that they'll get back to 50% pre-pandemic, I look around and see a full house. I look around and see a church that's on fire. No, oh, you shut your church down, but not this house. Oh, your pastor may, may, may quit the ministry, but not your bishop. Somebody shout, not my house. Uh-huh. Well, hmm. So what is really happening? Why does it seem like the devil is more mean than he's ever been? Why does it seem like he's become more evil? Can I tell you something about the devil? He ain't no more meaner now than he ever been. He's no more meaner. No, his, his whole purpose has always been, Jody, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he's doing right now. But the reason that it seems like the enemy is winning more battles it's not because he's become more powerful, not because he's become more evil. It's because the church has become weaker. We ain't casting out devils anymore because we don't want to offend anybody that might visit. We ain't speaking in tongues anymore. We don't believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe in it. It's in our doctrinal statement. But some people can come to some of our churches for six months or a year and join the church and not even know they're Pentecostal. Is this microphone working? Did it cut out? Did y'all hear what I just said? Did y'all hear it? Because sometimes mics cut out and I didn't know. It's 11.35 if you're taking medicine. Go ahead and take that pill right now if you need to take it. I, we need you to make sure you take that pill. That's the only reason you need to know what time it is. Take that pill. Feel good. Yeah. We don't want you falling out. If you fall out, we're going to think it's the Holy Ghost. We're just going to let you lay there. Oh, get her, Lord. Get her. The devil's not getting meaner. The church has got weaker. But watch this. Dr. Miles, uh, uh, Pastor Miles Rutherford said this to me one time. He said, he said about the remnant. He said, he said, let me tell you, there's good news and bad news about the remnant. He said, the remnant is so much smaller than we ever dreamed it would ever be. He said, but the good news, it's more powerful than we ever dreamed it could be. Because when you get down, remember, remember one can chase a thousand and two can chase 10,000. You get a room full of people like this, that's remnant. And it can literally shake Orlando to its foundation. 
Mm. See, the ancient gods of old that you read about in the Bible, Moloch, Ashroth, Dagon, did you read the stories that the children of Israel would go into idol worship and worship, and those that were pagan would worship? And of course, the most famous one was Baal. They were all false gods, they were all statues, but they were all the embodiment of principalities and demonic spirits. There was, there was actions that they had to do to worship them that have never left humanity. They've just disguised themselves as something else. The way that you would worship these fallen gods is still being done all around us, but they may not be going to some a stone statue with hands out, with a fire up under their hands and laying babies on the hands, but they're laying babies in other ways before him. Check one. So, so they're beginning for, so, for, for generations, for centuries. It was like they went away. How is it they've made such an appearance now? Two reasons. One, the church has allowed them to rise up. And two, I think they and their leader, Lucifer, knows time is short. He knows that if I'm going to take the people of God out, I need to do it now because the end is coming. We're in a war. We're in the fight of our life. We're in a fight. The preachers are, that are afraid of the fight, they will not survive the fight. They will give ways to seducing spirits. They will tickle ears. They will put butterflies in people's bellies. Oh, I want you, by the time we get to the end here, y'all gonna feel like butterflies, okay? When you leave here, you're gonna be like, oh my God, that was amazing. Right now, it's like when you, when you know, take that spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. I'm giving you the medicine, but then I'm gonna give you an extra dose of sugar at the end. Now I'm gonna tell you that, I'm not kidding. That was my introduction. Now I'm gonna preach. What is the fight? Here's what the fight is. I want you to say this out loud with me. This is our moment. Say it loud. This is our fight. One more time. Say this. This is our Mount Carmel. See, some of y'all don't know what Mount Carmel is. You're going to find out. He's like, I like fight. I like moment. But what's Mount Carmel? Well, it's the fight. It's not coming. It's here. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, the famous prophet Elijah. It said it came to pass that many days, after many days, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, Bishop. Let that sink in. The word of the Lord came to the Elijah. And remember, Old Testament are types and shadows of New Testament things. Elijah was an actual prophet and an actual man, but his anointing and his mantle did not die with him. So there is an Elisha anointing that came on John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist died, the Elijah anointing did not die with John the Baptist. John the Baptist anointing did not die with John the Baptist. No mantle and no anointing ever dies. It's looking for someone else to get on. Are you hearing me? So that means that the same mantle and anointing that was on Elijah, that was on John the Baptist, is on somebody now. But here's what I think. It ain't just on somebody. I believe it's on a group of people. I believe the Elijah anointing is on the remnant. I believe we're a voice crying in the wilderness. Now listen. The word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. He said, go present yourself to Ahab. And I will send the rain. Three years with, in, of a drought. Three years, angel, no rain. Well, I'm not trying to hyper-spiritualize everything, but I don't believe in God. Anything is accidental. I believe that we are the last generation. And I think about where we're at right now in a timeline of three years back. 
Do y'all remember what started happening about three years ago? Changed everything. Would you agree that there was a drought exposed? There was a drought of the word exposed. There was a drought of the Holy Ghost exposed. We thought we was okay, but we didn't realize that we were dying, starving to death. But God had a group of men, a group of women that through it all did not buy into the narrative. He had took them down to a brook called Cherith and he was feeding them. The ravens were bringing them food. He was drinking from the water. God was sustaining a generation in the midst of the drought. When it looked like everybody had forsaken the Holy Ghost, when it looked like everybody had forsaken the power of God, they didn't know it. The world didn't know it. Ahab didn't know it. Jezebel didn't know it. They've been trying to find him for three years, but he was hiding out. God had him hid out, and he was, get, he was getting a little bit too comfortable because he didn't have to find water. He didn't have to find food, and one day he looked up. He's going to get him a little water out of that brook, and the brook had dried up. God said, I've sustained you. Now you got to make a choice. You can stay here because it's comfortable for you. You can stay here. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You can stay right here where you're used to it. You can stay right here and do church the way you've always done it. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm telling you, I'm giving you the word. It's up to you whether you do it. Get up. Get up and go show yourself to Ahab. I believe there's been a generation of men and women that God, that I'm not talking about the big names. I'm not talking about the ones you see that's got a million followers on Instagram. Ain't got no problem with them. But I'm talking about some preachers that's just been faithful. I'm talking about some teachers. I'm talking about some men and women of God that's just been serving God for 30 and 40 years, trying to break 100, trying to break 150, doing everything they do can do for God, but preaching like a wild man, getting people saved, feeding the hungry in the streets. And God said, hold up. I know all about you. I got you. I got you. I got you. I'm about to pull you out and I'm about to present you. Oh, I'm about to take you before kings. I'm about to, oh. Somebody shout, it's my moment. It's my fight. Woo. Somebody shout, here comes trouble. Mm. Look at somebody else and say, look at my face. Just tell them, say, look at my face. You ain't got to breathe on them. Don't worry about it. Just say, look at my face. Say, you're looking at trouble. If you're looking for trouble. <laughs> I was born on Elvis Presley's birthday, y'all. Thank you very much. I could preach like this, baby. Get up. Go present yourself. So by the time he gets there, and he operates, he's, he's walking up. Now I want you to hear something that's going to blow your mind. Stay with me just a few more minutes, I'm closing. It says, in chapter 18, verse 7, it says, as Obadiah, Obadiah worked in, the, worked in the temple there, worked in the palace with Ahab and Jezebel. As Obadiah was just on his way, just church folk, he represented church folk, just doing the normal ritual that he does every day. That's what it means. He was on his way to do his job. Suddenly, somebody shout suddenly. Suddenly. Oh, it's good. this is important because you're going to see this. Suddenly, Elijah met him. And he recognized him and fell on his face and said, is that you, my Lord, Elijah? And he answered, it is. Go tell your master Elijah's here. Now watch this. I'm about to show you something that's, that's mind-boggling. 
So he, so he replies, and I'm going to paraphrase without time to read it. You are Israel's most wanted. He goes on to say, well, let's read it. Let's read it. Let's read it. Okay, so you'll understand that I'm not making this up. He said, so if I sin, that you are delivering your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me. As the Lord God lives, there is no nation, there is no kingdom where my master Ahab has not sent someone to hunt for you. Every nation, every gener every person has been asked. Your face is on posters everywhere. No one could find you. E people even had to take oaths, the next verse, of death that he is not here. And you tell me, go tell my master that you're here. Now you would think that would be a good, a good thing for him. He would be proud that he found him. But listen to what he says next. Here's what we'll do. If I go and say Elijah is here, verse 12, it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from you that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place that I do not know. Do you understand what he said? That's why he appeared to him suddenly. Oh, I don't know if you're going to be able to handle what I'm about to say. In other words, before Elijah was ever taken out in the famous story of the chariot and the whirlwind, it was already very well known that there was an anointing on Elijah that he could be preaching in one place and then disappear and appear in another city. That's why he said, suddenly, he appeared before him. If you are Israel's most wanted, don't you know that if you saw Elijah walking up, it wouldn't have took him getting to Obadiah. Everybody in the whole, everybody, the common person would, Elijah, Elijah, they would identify him. Nobody knew he was there until he was there. And he said, I'm not, I'm not buying this because I know everybody knows you got a special anointing on you. This ain't freaky. This is in the Bible. Watch this. Don't you, don't you remember when Philip baptized the man in the New Testament? The Bible said he baptized him in the, in, in the, out in the middle of the desert. And when the man came up shouting and dancing, wanting to thank him, where was he, Bishop? He was gone. They found him in another city, Azotus. So he said, I know what you're going to do. You're playing with me. I'm going to present you to the king. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be excited. And I'm going to turn around and you're going to be gone. And then I'm going to be killed. He goes, no. I know you're scared, but that ain't what's happening. I'm hurrying. He said, trust me. Just trust me. So he says, okay. So he says, he comes on up. He walks up to Ahab. Obadiah went in to meet Ahab, verse 16, and told him, Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happen when Ahab saw Elijah and Ahab said to him is that you old troubler of Israel here comes trouble oh here comes trouble oh they want to call you the preacher man but you ain't the preacher man to me every time you ever been around me you ain't brought me nothing but trouble Cause you don't tell me what the other prophets tell me. They're going to tell me to live my best life today. They're going to tell me that anything that I want to do and anything that I want will be waiting for me in my driveway today. But you tell me to repent. You tell me that we're going to lose the battle if we go into battle. I don't want to have nothing to do with you. Now listen to what he says. 
I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. I'm not the trouble you need to be worried about. I come to tell you about real trouble that's coming. You think my words are trouble? You have no idea of what's coming. By the way, Ahab, with respect, didn't even really come here to talk to you. Come here to talk to all you that worship this God, Baal. Let me show you why I'm here. Let me show you why I've appeared after three years. Think of the timing for us. After three years. I'm going to show you why. All of you, meet me on the mount. Bring everybody you got. I want everybody to see what's about to go down. I, I do not want anybody to hear this second hand. How many knows we don't need somebody to hear about a miracle anymore. We need some people to see a miracle. Amen. I don't know about you. I'm thankful for the old folk and the old stories, but I'm tired of reading about the lame walking. I'm ready to see the lame walking. I'm tired of reading about the blinded eyes open. I'm ready to see some blinded, not in a crusade in Peru somewhere, but in Judah church and in Solid Rock church. And how about this one? In my kitchen. Let me give me five more minutes. Five more minutes. Hey, how many? Some of y'all, y'all got a y'all got a pastor. You didn't fall for that. Five, 10, 15, 20. I can always tell when you got a, a church I'm preaching that's a very seasoned pastor. All the jokes have, have been played and they don't work anymore. So they meet up there. I'm gonna go fast version of this, I'm not gonna read it. Because most people know this story, but I want, hear, I want you to hear something. He gets them all up there. He goes, here's what's gonna go down. Here's why I'm here. Y'all didn't come here just to go talk to the big dogs. I came here to show you who God is. I come to show you who the true God is. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to make two different idols, two different altars. So we thought. So we've preached forever. Doesn't really say that. It says, and you can go back and study. It says, you make you an altar. Because watch this. There was no altar. Bishop, that's our problem. Israel had allowed the altars to be removed. Sounds familiar with a lot of churches I know. They wonder what happened to the power of God because nobody is praising and worshiping God and entering to his presence and coming and getting saved in the altars, delivered in the altars anymore. So when they went to the mountain of worship, there was no altar. He said, you go ahead and build the altar. So he let them build the altar. He goes, now you do your thing. You do everything you got to do to bring your God. He said, I'm going to stand back and I'm going to watch. And I want everybody else to watch because here's how you're going to know who God is. Let the God that answers by a man blowing on you or touching you or so. No, I'm not making fun of anybody because I'm thank God God can move anyway. I'm talking about we have equated, we have tried to invent a way to show God to people. And God said, I, I'll show you how I want to be shown. Stand back and let me consume you. He said, let the God that answers by fire, let that God be declared to be God. So they dance, they shout, they cut themselves, they bleed, they groan, they scream. And if I could get a little graphic here, because they were worshipers of Baal. And one of the ways that you worship Baal is you went into the temple and you got a temple prostitute and you had sex with her on the altar of Baal. So that meant on the altar, in this story, they're completely naked and having sex with each other, doing all kinds of sexual perverted things. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. 
Does that also sound familiar? The world has an altar. While the church has removed the altar, the world has built one. And the world is worshiping at it. And they are worshiping at it the same way the prophets of Baal and the worshipers of Baal worshipped Baal on their altar. And the Bible says Elijah will stay quiet for a while and then he finally said this. Where's your God at? Oh, I love this about Elijah. He's like, what's up with your God? You read it in context. He's like, Woo, boy, y'all doing a lot of crazy stuff over there. I ain't seen no fire. In fact, one translation says this. This is absolutely, I'm not making this up. One, one translation says, where is your God? Has he gone away? Is he real busy doing something? That was, the fact, that was the clean King James Version of it. When you study it, it literally says, is he on the toilet? Is he taking a, can you say dumping in Judah? I say crap in my church. I forgot who your bishop is. <laughs> <laughs> for just a brief moment. I thought, whoa. immediately I thought, crap is very tame. <laughs> so he says, are y'all done? If you go read the Bible, it's what it says, Bishop. It's amazing to me. Things that I've preached for years I haven't seen until recently. The Bible says he goes over to the altar and rebuilds their altar. It says he takes the stones and builds the altar takes 12 of their stones covered in all their mess and builds his altar with what the world had left. He said, dig a ditch, fill it full of water. Bring me another thing of water. Bring me a third thing of water. Three times he brings them water. Do we remember what they're in the middle of? How many years? Three years. Do you understand? You feel ditches and cover an altar with water, that's like you covered it with gold. That's the most precious thing there is. They're like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Water. He said, do it. Because let me tell you something about the remnant. This is my last point. Mount Carmel is the sermon. It's the point in the sermon. The real sermon came after Mount Carmel. The Mount Carmel was the illustration of the sermon. Because he didn't go to that mountain just for the fight. The prophet can see and hear beyond the fight. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. All the time they're doing their stuff, all the time that it looks like, all the time that people are over there can't believe they're wasting the water. He knows something they don't know. He's had three years of experience of knowing that no matter what goes on in this world, when you are remnant, God's got you. So if God told me to pour water on, the, on there, I don't care how precious it is, he must know what he's doing. Is this good preaching? I'm almost through. He says, let the God that answers by fire, let the God be God. Fire comes out of heaven, consumes the altar licks up the water. You mean tell you what that means? You ever put a pot of wa water on the, on the stove and just left it? It starts boiling? If you don't go back and turn it down, what happens to that water? It evaporates. It disappears. The Bible says the water was licked up. That's the King James Version that say the water began to boil, Bishop. It began to boil just like it was on a stove top. It wasn't just a fire. It was a fire so hot the water was boiling. People was jumping back going, what in the world's going on? And that thing was so hot and so boiling that it just evaporated and, dis and, and disappeared. And the prophet said, 
now. Who's God? Some of the very ones, I, if I could believe this gospel according to that, some of the ones are still standing there butt naked. Cried out, Jehovah is God. What if you had one of them show up in your altar? What you gonna do, ushers? Because how many knows when God does something like that? Crack addicts. Still high on crack. will cry out, Jesus is Lord. Come on, somebody. Oh, I tell my church all that. I don't care what you smoke up, drank up, snorted up, who you slept with last night, who you woke up with this morning. Just get to the house of God Sunday, and God's got something for you, and he can override everything you've ever done. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I got four minutes. They killed all the prophets of Baal. And at the end of that story, everybody likes to stop that sermon and then preach another sermon. But it's the same sermon, Bishop. The first part of the sermon was get up from the, from the, from the brook. Part one. Part two, go show yourself to the authorities and tell them you ain't scared to tell them who you are. You ain't hiding no more. Part two. Part three, gather the people to show them who God is. Part four, he gets through. He's walking down off the mountain. He goes, hey, come here. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? What are you talking about hear what? What, the people scream? The people pray? Y'all hear that? No, 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 no. It's almost like when Jesus was in the crowd, people was just hitting him like crazy. He said, who touched me? He was like, what do you mean who touched you? Hundreds of people touched you. No, 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 no. I'm talking about they touched me in a way I ain't been touched. He goes, he goes, I'm not, Jesus would say, if you got an ear to hear, you better hear. He goes, listen to me. You don't hear that? No, 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 no. That ain't what I hear. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Woo! They're like, it ain't rained in three years. I don't care if it's rained in 20 years. The same God that told me to get up. Let me hear some rain. He's going to run out there, son. Tell me what if you see a cloud. Six times. Nothing. Seventh time, Bishop. Yeah. See anything? Well, I saw one thing. It's a little confusing. What was it? He said, I didn't hear nothing like you hear, but I did see something. What did you see? He said, I saw a little cloud about the size of a a man's hand. He said, well, you better get up and run. He said, you better, you, better, you better get in your chariot. You better get out of town because I'm not talking about a sprinkle. I'm talking about there's a deluge coming. I hope you have ditches, Doug. I hope that you are prepared to channel this because when this rain comes, it's going to blow your mind. It is in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Oh, the former and the latter rain shall be combined. Get up on your feet right now and shall send the rain. Send the rain. Somebody shall send the rain. Send the rain. Come on. Come on. You got to be a ditch. You're the ditch. Will you channel it? Will you channel it? Somebody shall send the rain. Somebody shout, my God is the only God. Now hold up. Stay standing. Because here's the point that everybody misses. 
The reason nobody else could hear the rain is because God shows the prophet and the fivefold ministry apostolic gift in your life of what is coming. And if you want to embrace the rain, you've got to make sure that you are properly positioned under the hand. That's why he showed the hand first before the rain clouds. He says, because before I send my rain, I send my prophets. And they declare the way. And they will show you the way to get in that rain. Listen, you got to be careful what voices you allow to speak into your life right now. Some of your morning drives to work and the talk shows that some of y'all listen to, you need to turn that off and put some praise and worship on. Turn that off and put your bishop on. You need to start feeding your soul something else than some of that mess trying to tell you that there ain't no hope for our world. It's on its way. Oh, is that as loud as y'all can get balcony? Y'all hear it? It's moving to the back rows. It's moving to the middle. It's making its way to the stage. It's hitting the musicians. Here it comes. 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 Send the rain. Send the rain. Send the rain. Come on. Sound like the rain is in this place. Shout like the rain is in this place. Hallelujah. Hands raised. Say this with me, Jesus. This is our moment. This is our fight. You trusted us for this moment. Here I am. Use me. Speak through me. Work through me. I'm not a spectator anymore. I am all in. I am your voice. I am your hands. I am remnant. Now somebody give him a shout of praise. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Big Picture Podcast. We hope it helped you, encouraged you, and empowered you. Please consider leaving us a review on your app of choice and share with family and friends. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake.